We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There it is, Notre Dame fans. Dylan Edwards, the 2023 running back from the state of Kansas, who is kind of a little bit of an all-around guy on offense, has now committed to Notre Dame. The Notre Dame class, Ryan, just keeps getting better and better and better. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today on a special edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. We're here to talk about the Dylan Edwards commitment. This is a big one for Notre Dame, Ryan. And it's been a very interesting, uh, it's very been a very interesting story. That is Ryan Roberts. I'm Brian Driscoll, as always. This kind of happened quickly. Three weeks ago, we're not having a conversation about Dylan Edwards. Now we're talking about how this is a big, big pickup for Notre Dame. I didn't even really know who Dylan Edwards was three weeks ago, for being completely honest. And he's a kid that's kind of burst on the scene really quickly. A former commit to the uh, to Kansas State University where his father played. And it was like, I mean, Brian, it was like offered by Notre Dame, visit two days later, decommitment the next day, and here we are less than a week later, right? So it Mm -hmm. has been a rapid-fire recruitment. I think that's a good way to put it, but Notre Dame just got a dynamic 4-3 athlete, to your point. They phrase him as a running back, but this is a slot receiver. This is a gadget player. This is a returner. He can do a little bit of everything for your offense and your special teams. You talk about the the backstory, and let's kind of get into why this happened so quickly. So Notre Dame, for a long time, kind of thought they had all their numbers and their 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 class was going to be kind of filled out. And they got into a situation where they kind of dropped everybody except the receiver, except for Jaden Greathouse, Ronan Hannafin, and Micah Tease. They knew they were going to get Jaden Greathouse, as we've talked about a bunch of times. That was a silent commit situation. They knew they were going to get him. And then it was kind of coming down to – you, you had you also had Christian Hamilton on the board, but you had Micah Tease and Ronan Hannafin. And then Jeremiah Love is sort of the all-around, you know, running back that can do other things as well. They decided that they were going to kind of focus on just Hannafin, Love, and Tease. Tease decides to go to Arkansas. Notre Dame was fine. Look, hey, we're just going to get Hannafin and, and Love, and we're going to call it a day. Well, they're still feeling great about love. We'll, we'll get into that in the what's next. Ronan Hannafin situation got a little bit trickier and stickier, and it still is at this point in time. And, and now Notre Dame's still in it, and we'll get into that again later in the show. But at that time, Notre Dame said, you know what? We need to make sure 
that there are other guys that we have on the board to kind of move on to should we miss out on Ronan Hannafin because a fourth receiver was an absolute must in this class. So they started to sort of expand the board and look around, and there's some other players that they looked at in the class, and some guys they're still kind of looking at in the class. Then there comes the Dylan Edwards evaluation. And as they evaluated his junior film again, and they had, were giving it another look over, then he has the dominant performance at the Future 50 where he wins the, the fastest man competition, beats Peyton Bowen, beats Zachariah Branch, who is the most explosive receiver in the country, in my opinion, on film, right? Just because, again, Dylan Edwards is not playing receiver right now. And Ryan and I were actually – we're kind of coming up with the Irish Breakdown Top 100 recruiting rankings a little bit, and and we were looking at that last night and and broke – just it, this kid act goes out and beats him in a sprint and wins that event. And then when they got him on campus, by the time that visit was over, Notre Dame's stance on Dylan Edwards had completely changed. And it was more of a, we're not, we're not going to wait to see if we miss on somebody else. We're taking this kid. He's too dynamic. He's too much of a fit personality-wise. He's too much of a fit for what we're looking for. He's gotten dynamic, all those type of things. And at that point in time, Ryan, it just became a situation where we are, we still feel we want to get Hannafin in love and we still feel we're, we're in it with those guys, but we're taking this kid no matter what. He's no longer a if we miss out situation. That's what it was like going into it. But by the time the evaluation was done, this kid was a must get for the Notre Dame staff. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Well, Notre Dame wanted that slot type in this class. We talked a long time about the Rodney Gallagher thing. He goes to West Virginia. We talked about Micah Tease. We talked about them, you know, kind of kicking the tires a little bit with Christian Hamilton. They wanted this type of wide receiver in the class. And like you said, Brian, it's a backup plan technically at first, but then you're like, this kid's a 4-3 athlete, man. Like he's going to be able, and we talked about this on the show yesterday. It's like he's a 4-3 athlete who – is at worst, in my opinion, that gadget, the dynamic returner. Like right. He has a high floor in that regard. And when you have the opportunity to sign the four-man class and then stick Dylan Edwards on top of it where you're saying dynamic athlete, really diverse skill sets, 
he brings a lot of layers to this offense, which is it, it's so exciting. And Notre Dame right. has needed this type of player in the last couple classes. You you talked right. a lot about Xavier Bradshaw. You loved him in last year's class. Mm-hmm. You wanted Notre Dame to kind of take a big push at him. They haven't had this true slot type in the last couple of cycles. So getting this type of player, I think it was important. And Notre Dame found him, the 4-3 athlete who they think could be a dominant player in the slot and has a lot of upside in various roles at the next level. Right. I think it's also uh, important to point out, and we'll, we'll especially show this as we dive into the film, we'll do, we're going to kind of just talk about sort of the class impact right now. Then we're going to talk, we're going to dive into uh, some film of him. And then we'll, we'll talk sort of about a what's next then. And, and so when you, you look at the class impact, Ryan, you talked about this. One of the things that Notre Dame was flat out looking, in, looking at in this class was they needed to add more speed. That's across the board, but especially on offense. That was a big thing is they need more home run hitters on offense. And the reason why, I mean, it's, we, we know why. Speed is the great equalizer. You know, you, you can have another team that's shutting you down and making stops and, and those type of things. But when you got those guys can run, they can make it up for you. And a perfect example, Notre Dame has seen that on the opposite side. Go back and look at the 2018 game. Clemson racked up over 500 yards in a game where I thought the Notre Dame defense played really, really well. Why? They had four huge plays because to speed guys. Justin Ross, Travis Etienne, and T. Higgins. And that was the difference in the game. And, and Notre Dame is looking to tap into that. And obviously, you got some of that with Braylon James. You've got some of that with Peyton Bowen and Micah Bell and guys like that. Now – you get another guy like that on offense and you're just, you're talking about a guy that's a, like you said, a dynamic four, three guy. And it's also important to point out too, this kid's not just fast. He's a really, really good football player. Yep. It, it just, we'll, we'll get into kind of the, the, the one reason why he's not ranked higher. And we'll, we'll get into that. Cause that is important to talk about, but what this does is Notre Dame has added a lot of size and skill on offense in this class. Jay Lamar has got good speed for running back. He's been timed electronically in a low four or five this summer. That's mm-hmm. good time for a, a rising high school senior running back. That's a good time. It's not elite, but it's good. He can move. Braylon James has been timed electronically as a four four seven. Uh, we Rico Flores and, and Jaden Greathouse are very skilled football players, even though they're not burners. Cooper Flanagan is a big guy, but what a lot of those receivers do is your small guy is Rico Flores at like 6'1", listed as 6'1", 190. That's your mm-hmm. small guy. Jaden Greathouse is 6'2", plus over 200 pounds. Braylon James is about 6'3". He's going to be over 200 pounds quickly. Cooper Flanagan at tight end is a mammoth kid. Sure is. What, they, what, they, what they've done with this is something that, me, to me, Ryan, as you mentioned, has been always been very important to me. It's complementary skill sets to each other. You have to have diversity with your offensive attack. And I don't care about the size. I care about the skill set. And what this kid brings to the table is you've got a lot of skilled sort of vertical players. You don't at receiver have a lot of guys in last year's class or this year's class that are necessarily get the ball in their hands quickly and let them go do stuff. I mean, Jaden Greathouse can do some things in the quick game. He can make some guys miss, but it's not like he's going to make a bunch of guys miss and turn a a five-yard completion to an 80-yard touchdown because he's outran people or shook people. Same with Braylon James. Braylon James is more of a, you know, catch a slant, have a step on a guy, and then outrun him. You know, that's kind of – or take the top off on a post route, right? It's just a different type of skill set. This kid brings a completely different dynamic to the table that you just don't have. And I think that's what's really important about this commitment is the complementary nature of what Dylan Edwards brings to the Notre Dame class 
is incredibly important and a huge check off the box. I love Micah Tease. You know that. And we both wanted Micah Tease in this class because of his versatility. But what they got in Dylan Edwards was a kid that's not as versatile offense to defense, but a kid that's far more dynamic than my, what Micah Tease was on offense. And that's not a knock on Micah Tease. Still love Micah Tease. Great pickup yep. for Arkansas. It's just you got even more of what you were looking for with Dylan Edwards in regard to that really explosive, dynamic. You can get him the ball behind the line of scrimmage, and it's a 50-yard gain. I mean, that's really what – I mean, his his 40 times are very similar to what Chris Tyree was doing at the same age at the opening on electronic times, if that tells you anything about it. And I would say Dylan Edwards is even more shifty than what Chris was because Chris is a vertical guy, like a one-cut-and-go. He's a pure running back. Yep. Dylan Edwards is 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 got a lot of shiftiness to him. He can go vertical, don't get me wrong, but he's a really elusive guy too, which is what makes him right a a really special player. And the last piece of this, mm-hmm. this special teams has added some. I mean, you know who's probably the, one of the most excited guys in the in the coaching staff today with this twenty twenty three class, Brian Mason. Yeah. He's thinking, I got three, four, three guys with return game experience coming onto this roster next year. Are you serious? Thank you, guys. Thank you, Notre Dame. Thank you, Marcus Freeman, for hiring me and bringing me here because I'm not really getting that anywhere else except maybe Bama, right? And that's big time, big time for a special team that's been a little bit dry with its return game in recent years. We saw what can happen when you turn the special teams loose, like we saw against Wisconsin last year. Hopefully, Brian Mason does that even more moving forward. But now, and we're, we're not even talking about Jadarian Price, you know, who's an know, explosive guy. The type of speed and impact ability that they're adding to this offense right now is is uh, exciting to think about, Ryan. I mean, honestly, think about it, folks, because there's a lot of people in here that have been Notre Dame fans for a long time. When's the last time Notre Dame has signed in three cycles, three different kids that are legitimate 4-3 athletes? I mean, when has that ever happened? I mean, when's the last time? I literally would like someone to tell me, because that is a rarity on any team, right? Like, this isn't just a Notre Dame thing. Like, this is a... Alabama doesn't get four, th- like three, four, three guys every year. Like that is a pretty insane kind of statistic. We talk about Chris Tyree a lot as far as like the speed on the offense. To your point, Brian, he's a legit four, three kid, but that's really the only one that's on the roster right now. I mean, maybe Braden Lindsay when he's in his combine training yeah. and doing that Bra- type of stuff. Braden Lindsay's more of a low four, four guy, I would say, most yeah. likely, and which is, I mean, really fast. Oh, I mean, that's the speed. thing. No, I mean, it's great speed. Right. Yeah. I would say he's I'd say he's kind of uh, maybe just a touch touch slower than Troy Pride, who was a 4-4 four, yeah. four flat. Yeah. So I'd say like 4-4-3 four, four, to 4-4-5 four, four, is what I'd say is Brayden Lindsay, which again is really fast. Maybe he goes a little higher like you said with some combine training, maybe he gets down to that 4-4 four, four flat or high 4-3 range, but it's yeah. not his normal speed. And that's the thing about these kids, Ryan, to your point about Peyton Bowen and and, uh, and Dylan Edwards especially, is they ran these times at a football event, not a I'm training for a combine. And and that's what makes makes it different. And then obviously Micah Bell's elite times are more gearing towards t- testing fast at events, you know, because you're in track. But his times, if you look at his times compared to other great players, they they translate to 4-3 speed, easy mid 4-3 speed. And like you said, Ryan, we're not talking about guys that are that are boy, they got three really fast guys that run four four twos, four four threes. We're talking about game changers from a there, guys. There are not a lot of four three guys in the country. Uh, let's be honest, there's just not many. Mm-mm. 
And and you know, Dylan Edwards won the fastest man competition with a four three seven. I believe there was only two other guys that were in the four threes at that event, and that's the best of the best. Notre Dame got three of them in this class. It's and outstanding. I mean, it's literally as long as Chris Tyree is you know comes back to school for the twenty twenty three season, you literally in one cycle basically quadrupled your number of four three athletes yeah. on the team, right? Like, I mean, think yeah. about that. That's that's pretty absurd, man. When you really think yeah. about just kind of the the quick math on that type of thing, so. Notre Dame had priorities. We've been talking about it on the defensive side, especially, but it goes to the offense too. You want to get longer and you want to get more athletic. They didn't get longer with Dylan Edwards, but they certainly got right. more athletic at the slot receiver. Right. I mean, this kid is a, he can change direction. He's got some quick cuts to him, but more than anything, he is a dynamic player. He's that kid that every time he touches the football at the next level, you're going to hold your breath for a second because you right. think that he has a chance to create a big player, create a touchdown. Like that's what type of player this is. And that's why it's huge. This is also the player for me, Brian, that when your offense isn't clicking, when you're struggling, it only takes one play to just flip that momentum. Mm-hmm. And he's that momentum flip. Yeah. That's what he brings. Yeah. That's what Chris Tyree brings. Those guys can quickly change the pace of a game because they are only one play away from creating a huge yeah. play. And uh Chancey Stuckey, He's done a good job recruiting receivers. He's got some closing to do, but he's done a good job recruiting receivers. Needs to take Dylan McCullough out for a Ruth's Chris steak dinner this weekend after practice one day, because uh, this was a Dylan McCullough recruitment. So that's a big part of the, the way that the the it was able to happen too. Is there was an established relationship already on the staff with Dylan McCullough, who off who recruited Dylan when he was still at Indiana. And so that's why this was able to kind of also happen so quickly because there was a guy that he knew and trusted on the staff that that he was able to kind of connect with. And so uh, that's another one where it's like, hey, uh, thanks, coach, for that assist. But that's what good coaching staffs do. Hey, I've you know, hey, you you may be the position coach, but I've got I, I've got an in at that high school. I've recruited that state. I know that kid's dad or whatever the case may be. And you utilize that. And that's what good coaching staffs do is they work together. And it's not so much about Chancey Stuckey's, oh, I I got all the receivers. It's, I don't care. I'm going to coach them. Let's go all work together and get these kids. And I think that's something that, that we're saying that's very unique in this in this class is there's, there's to a degree, there's some egos being put aside uh, to say, hey, look, let's just make sure that we're getting the kids that we're going to get. Does, does anyone care if who, who got the kid? No, what cares is that he's going to be at Notre Dame and then go, hey, Coach Stuckey, go coach him up and get him ready to play. Let's talk a little bit about Dylan, the, some of the particulars of him uh, before we dive into the film. And Ryan, we'll have you kind of work through the film. Uh, w- w- you and I will work through the film, but uh, have you kind of lead on that one. But sure. he plays at Derby High School in Kansas. It's from in the Wichita area. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is the second player from Kansas to commit to Notre Dame in this class, jo- joining Joe Odding. I don't know when the last time that has happened. The last kid they got from Kansas, we were talking about that before. The last kid they got from Kansas didn't actually live in Kansas. He only went to school in Kansas. That was Jafar Armstrong, but he actually lived in Missouri. And then before that, I believe it was Brian Smith who signed under the Charlie Weiss era. I I did some research on this, Brian, for an upcoming article that I'm working on. And that was the, they're the only two players that have Kansas ties in the last 25 cycles. So I'm, I'm not sure if they've ever signed two Kansas players in one cycle. I'm really yeah. not sure about that. It's pro- <laughs> yeah. probably not, if we're being yeah. completely honest about it. Yeah. He, uh, as a junior, now th- it's funny, is, is uh, we have someone in our chat, a uh, guy named Paul Rose, who's who's on our board. He's a 
uh, also in the show a lot. He has been talking to me about Dylan Edwards forever. So you may say, I didn't know a lot about Dylan Edwards. I had no choice but to know about Dylan Edwards because of Paul. He's been like, man, I hope they offer him a – and I was like, look, I love the guy, but he's just small. And and we'll yeah. kind of dive into that when we get in the film room. He's a little guy. He's listed at 5'9", 165. He measured in at, uh, at one event this summer. It was like 5'8 and a half, 155. He's not a real big kid. Built built pretty well, but he's small. As a junior at Derby High School, he rushed for 2,603 yards and 38 touchdowns. He averaged 12.5 yards per carry. Here's another little interesting thing is he, I was told by Paul, who lives in the area and is really up on high school football, that in most games, uh, Dylan didn't really get a chance to play a whole lot in a lot of those games because they were, they were blowing teams out so much. So that puts a little bit of context uh, to his numbers uh, about just kind of about where things are in, in regard to, to his overall numbers. And if you look at it, here's some of the games they won 50 to 17, 77 to seven in that game that they won 77 to seven, he had seven carries for 132 yards and four touchdowns, Mm -hmm. 55 to six, 70 to 21, a game where he had six carries, six carries, for 177 yards and three touchdowns, uh, for, uh, 52 to 14, uh, 63 to nine. Here, here's this insane stat, Ryan. He had four carries for 166 yards, three touchdowns. He had uh, 226 yards on 19 carries in a 63 to 14 win over East, five touchdowns. Uh, and then I believe this was a, uh, against Lawrence Free State, 25 carries, 251 yards, three touchdowns. And I believe this next game was in a playoff game as well, 62 to 28, 27 carries, 302 yards, four touchdowns. And in the season-ending loss in the postseason, uh, he had 26 carries for 172 yards and two touchdowns. That was his worst performance of the season. 26 carries, 172 yards for 6.6 yards per carry and two touchdowns. And as long as you uh, run that game was 35 yards. So it wasn't like he had like an 80 yard stat, like carry pumping his stats up. That really he, hurt his yard per carry on the season. Man, seriously. 6.6 really was his lowest. His next lowest yards per carry game was 9.9. He care. He rushed for less than 10 yards in a per carry in three games. In two of those games, he was at 9.9 carries people carries. And he had 208 on the season. We're not even talking about, you know, we're not even talking about like catches. We're talking carries. Uh, he also had a uh, let's see here, looking at his his uh, kick return production this year. I believe he's had four kick returns for touchdowns in his career. Uh, he had two punt returns this past year and a kick return this past year. And I believe as a sophomore, he also had a, a, a kick return for a touchdown. So this is a kid that's been a really really dynamic player. Yes, he did have a kick return. Uh, as a as a sophomore, so he's had four special teams uh, touchdowns. He also averaged, like I said, he as a junior, as a sophomore, he rushed for one thousand eight hundred and thirty three yards and twenty five touchdowns, and a really abysmal eight point nine yards per carry. He clearly wasn't uh, on top of his game yet as a as a sophomore. He only averaged eight point nine yards per carry. Uh, so this kid is a this kid is a big time, big time, big time player. Sure is. I mean, and he's. Brian, I mean, the size is obviously the big hang-up, right? He's mm-hmm. a smaller kid. So the the common sense would say maybe he's not a high-volume player, but does it really matter? I mean, right. technically, Tyreek Hill isn't a high-volume player right. either. Technically, you know, 
all well, these that's guys. What, are- that's what makes it complimentary, right? Like that's why you recruited Jalen Edwards or Jaden Greathouse to be a a volume guy. You recruit guys like Tobias Merriweather to be volume guys and Braylon James to be volume guys and Rico Flores to be more of a volume guy. You can't have everybody be volume guys, Ryan. Sure. And that's the point is what makes it easier for Pat Mahomes to spread the ball around in Kansas City? He doesn't have to throw it to Tyreek Hill 15 times a game because he doesn't need – you know what I mean? He can he can get him – hey, I'm going to get you five touches and you're going to have 100-plus yards. Yep. And that's that's to your point that that's the thing is like that's why it's so important to get the complimentary players is because not everybody can be that and that that I'm, I know I cut you off but that's not your fault. that's the thing that gets me so fired up that I've been saying for years is you can't recruit a bunch of volume guys because they can't play together it just right. doesn't fit that's why you need kids like this well I mean even I mean you can think of guys like Nicole Hardman that played at Georgia mm-hmm. or you can think of people that keep talking about the Anthony Thomas which was a comp that I made a little bit right. Anthony Thomas was not a high volume kid at the University of Oregon, but every time he touched the football, you were worried that he could create a game changing play, whether mm-hmm. that was in the run game, in the pass game, in the return game. Anthony Thomas was one play away from completely changing the course of a football game, and that's what I think with Dylan Edwards brings to the game. He, I think you talk you talk about this a lot, Brian. It's like he can do in four touches what it takes most guys to do in eight or nine touches right like that's what this type of player is so it's not a high volume kid but it is a beyond impactful conversation it's a beyond impactful role he can he can completely alter a football game he can completely break open a football game he has that type of impact blink your eyes and he's out that's what he is well and i'm hoping that landing Dylan Edwards means we don't have to keep answering the question of, hey, do you think they might put Micah Bell on offense? So- well, can we, th- this is an also good point, though. I literally had someone this morning ask me on Twitter, what does this mean about Jeremiah Love? means nothing about Jeremiah Love. Right. He is being right. recruited, Dylan Edwards, to play slot receiver, be that right. gadget role, play right. special teams. Jeremiah and, and, Love is the runner in, yes. this, in this class. And, and we'll dive into him and Ronan Hannafin and some other things here after we do our film breakdown. So that's what I want to kind of get to next, Ryan, is the film breakdown of Dylan Edwards because speed is great, right? And, and we've talked a lot about the speed and we've hyped up on the speed, but we 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 had a similar conversation with Micah Bell, right? Yep. Speed is great. 10-4 is great. You know, 20 point, you know, having the fifth best 200 meter time in the country is phenomenal. It's great. You can run, but can you run on the football field? Can you make cuts on the football field? Do you have vision? Do you have a feel for the game? Are you a track guy that plays football or are you a football player that 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 also is fast? Troy Pride has uh, talked about this in the show with us. And and this was kind of the, the, the not I'll say knock on him, but just where he had to grow. Troy Pride was more of a track guy that then had to learn to play football. And and that was kind of something that he was always kind of getting to at Notre Dame and why his career progressed the way that it did. He just kind of got better and better and better every year because he needed to learn how to use that speed to play football at a high level. And, you know, kind of took him to about like half midpoint of his junior year before that light really went on for Troy. And when it did, he was really good over the next year and a half, really good. And, and so that's the thing is you, you've got to be football players. Chris Tyree is a football player. Peyton Bowen is a football player. Micah Bell is a football player. And as we're going to see in this film, Ryan, Dylan Edwards is a football player. And that's the, that's the thing about it. They're not just running, toss, giving him toss sweeps and then saying, okay, go be fast. Uh, this kid can flat out run. So let's, 
let's dive into some film now of Dylan Edwards Ryan, and and we're we're just going to see it right from jump, just the special teams aspect of what this young man brings to the table. Yeah, no, it's it's a perfect start to the film as we're as we're kind of talking about the special teams impact. So this is one of those kids that you can see the start stop there because he kind of is playing a little, a little slow playing at the beginning and then he sticks in his foot in the ground completely changes direction and gets vertical in a hurry so you can see that explosiveness you can see that stop start ability here he is playing out wide and honestly this is one of the more impressive plays on film for me because he's a smaller guy so you would think you know you need to create space you need to do all that type of stuff and then he is able to win through contact like that working down the football field like this is not an ordinary thing for a kid that is five foot eight plus and 155 pounds, the ability to win through contact right there and maintain his balance and ability to win through the catch point—that's big time stuff. And then we always talk about the screen game, right? I mean, I think a Notre Dame has had some really good screen runners in the past. I mean, I think a Kyron, I think a Darius Walker back in the day, Armando Allen had some mm-hmm. nice work in the screen game. Theo Riddick had some nice work in the screen game. This is another kid where set the wall up and let him get to work right here. Ooh. You see the change of direction. This isn't just straight line speed. The ability to stop on a dime and completely reverse field. This Ryan, is he does. He cuts back. Play. He yep. cuts backwards on this. Like yep. this is a, this is a sick cut. Like this is a sick cut right there. Sure. It goes is. backwards. Yeah. And then the explosiveness to get to top speed in a hurry. This is a very, this acceleration, this stop-start, that's what I mean when I say stop-start, the ability to get to top speed in a hurry from a standstill is special. Like, he got to his top speed there in probably three steps, and then he's out. Watch these two kids, these two kids here and here, who think that they actually are going to tackle. Like they actually think, like, they know what's coming, and they yep. think they're closing. Oh, I got him. Oh, no, I don't got him. Like, that's, I mean, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. And you know a kid's fast when when he hits into the open because you know kids will have breakaway breakaway sure. runs like that. But when he's still pulling away, even at right. the edge, you know, like that's the separation of speed. Right. And, and you know, part of that's he plays in Kansas, right? Sure. So there just aren't. I mean, but again, four three is fast everywhere, folks. I mean, it's fast everywhere. Like he's just toying with these kids right here. He's not even it, running fast. This right? is like, frustrating. This is, yeah. Go ahead, Ryan. It, it's just such a frustrating one, Brian, because it's like you, you had a nice punt. It went completely over your head. Went, <laughs> it goes inside the 10. Like he's running backwards just to pick it up. And then he goes 93 for a score. Like it's just And he's so not even running hard. No. That's the <laughs> insane thing about that. He's not even running hard. This is the kind of thing that you're going to see from him at Notre Dame, right? And this is what we talk about. Can you make guys miss? Look, when you're – I don't care how fast you are, Ryan, you're not always going to have an angle. I mean, you go watch Rocket Ismail's highlights when he was coming out or when he was at Notre Dame. He didn't always just do stuff on straight lines. Some of his biggest plays where he had to make some people miss. I, he, I still he, hate. I still hate that these little touch passes count as a pass for the quarterback. I know that's a different. Conversation. I I agree with you. But his ability to run the ladder here is really impressive, Ryan. And then reads the block, gets what he can get. Yeah. The other thing too is he vision. doesn't cut for no reason. There's a sense of purpose to his cuts too, Ryan, which I really yes. like. And I love, honestly, the background as a running back transitioning into the slot, potentially, Brian, too. It's Mm -hmm. he's had a lot of experience with that vision, right? That field vision kind of seeing um, with his peripheral vision, things working laterally, too, which I think is going to be big time, especially in the RPO world today. You know, being able to Mm kind of just work through space a ton and work through some trash like I think that's going to really be great for his game. This is an yep. ugly play because this was a screen. They sniffed it out, and it doesn't matter if you sniff it out because he can yes. Yep. That's yeah, that's just ridiculous speed. 
But as you're seeing in a lot of these clips, I love this. This is one of my favorite clips too. This isn't, he's not going to make a living doing this in college. I don't know if he'll ever have to do this in college. I just love his willingness to do it. Yep. Because that kid outweighs him probably about a good 50 pounds. Yeah. He's got him by at least five inches. Yes. Again, that nice little cut. That's a double cut right there. You see it right there. Make a miss, get vertical. Make a miss again, get vertical. And yeah. I mean, th- did he even get touched on that play? I barely, no. if anything. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. This is what we call making someone miss in a phone booth. There it is. Ooh. Poor kids. Mm-hmm. I feel bad for these kids. Yeah. Because it makes it even more video game-ish when you're talking about who he's playing against. Because you know that's where the competition matters. His, his numbers are... are his, I, I, if he played in Texas, his numbers would be the same. He would just need four quarters to get there. Yeah. That's the and difference. I love, I love that last one because even that last one, it shows a little bit of contact balance, right? Like he can work through some traffic. He's not going to be mm-hmm. an extraordinary tackle breaker, but he can. He does show toughness as a runner. He's got strong legs. There was a play earlier where he took a handoff out of the end zone and just ran through a, an arm tackle from behind. He just kind of high leg, high kneed it and just was able to make the – Again, he's not going to be like running over Isaiah Foskey. Yeah. But he's got he's got a nice he's got a nice lower body strength. He he And that's important in the return game too when you're when you're trying to make the, that first guy miss. You've got to have that in the return game. You've got to be able to like make that first arm tackle miss. If you can do that, then you've got a chance to go, to to be a big time home run hitter. I'm thinking about him, Brian, in the slot in a couple years at Notre Dame. With Tyler Buckner, quarterback, obviously, and let's say Audric Estime as the running back in the gun. You motion this kid like an orbit behind him. You fake the handoff to Estime, and then you just run like a speed option with Buckner and him to the outside. It's just like, what do you do with it, man? It's just, mm-hmm. it's it's going to be fun to see this type of speed on the field. Yeah. <laughs> Again, Braylon James is now not in your top four of fastest guys in this class, I believe. Correct? Am I, and he is, he's fourth or would he be fourth? He, he, he might be fourth. Be. Yeah. I mean, imagine when they get Ronan Hannafin, I think that, if that, that they would be a good Ronan race. Hannafin. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Same they, with Jeremiah if, Love. If they're able to get yes. those guys, now we're even. Oh, if they get those last two, I would love to see a race between Braylon James, Ronan Hannafin and Jeremiah Love. I think that would be a very good race. Interesting. This, race, this balance, when we talk about balance, this is an example. Balance to me is the ability to kind of be off balance, right? Have to leap have to make a cut and be able to hit the ground and immediately get right back to running without having to having to you see that right there without having to kind of gather yourself you just immediately hit the ground running and you're back to sprinting that's balance that's an example of balance and and with how we both feel about tommy reese and his ability to scheme stuff up and be Mm -hmm. creative this is the type of kid where is he going to be listed as a wide receiver on the roster? Yes, but he's also a kid that you can motion into the backfield. You can right. give him a handoff. Like he, I mean, I, well, the, the stuff we were talking about, with Braden Lindsay from 2019 with Chip Long. I mean, I, I think that's yeah. the this is the perfect player for that. I mean, not, look, Braden Lindsay can do those things too. We've talked about it, but like moving forward, Braden Lindsay's not going to be on the roster when Dylan Edwards shows up. So it's it's more about you know kind of taking on that role with even more speed. Those your know, jet sure. sweeps, reverses. You know, tunnel screens, now screens, things like that are, are areas where you're going to see him. This is what we're talking about. Is he a football player? This is an example. This is a really patient run, letting the block set up. There's nothing there. And then, bam, he sees that hole and gets back to it. That's a really instinctive football play right there, Ryan. 
Yeah, he he has really good vision as a runner. He honestly yeah. does. I mean, even when he's running like in more inside zone concepts, you do mm-hmm. see him. I mean, Brian, like he presses and he hits backside A a ton. I mean, mm-hmm. he I think he has a really good understanding of where things are going to open up from his own perspective. And that's yeah. again, that's what gets me excited about playing slot in this wide open RPO era. Yeah the ability to work after the catch because it's not just straight line speed. It's also that he can see things happen. Yeah. And he's patient. Like this is, he never, I don't know if he's, if he's ever at full speed on this particular run, maybe right there, but like he's, he's patient. He's letting blocks happen. He's looking for his crease. He's waiting on his opportunity. Okay. Where's the hole? Where's the hole? Bam. Now I hit it and I'm gone. That's 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 being a football player right there. You'll see speed guys run right into the back of blockers like that, Ryan. Or they'll just try to, oh, I got the corner. Let me try to get the corner, and they get twenty yards, but then they get pushed out of bounds. Yep. He's going to find that lane, that vertical lane. Yes, I'm going to stretch the side, stretch the side. Bam! There's my vertical cut. Let me hit it. And and that's what to me makes him a really dynamic, really dynamic football player. I love that cut right there. And and that's this is that inside zone you were talking about, Ryan. Yep, there it is. Hits backside A. He's out. Actually, he might not even hit backside. Yeah, no, he yeah, did. he hit backside. Yeah, he yep, he, he cut behind the center. Sure did. Yep. So, and this is why it gives me hope, Brian. Because again, the question people are going to ask: We don't see him play wide receiver a ton. You know, it was only right. a couple clips, and that's very fair. The things that gives me a lot of hope and optimism for him playing wide receiver, though, is we see that change of direction is no problem. And the number two is you just mentioned a lot about his his little bit of hesitation and um, patience as a runner. That is very important when you're running routes. Mm -hmm. The pacing of routes is a very important thing. And I think that he has all the traits to develop into that type of player. Obviously, that's the unknown for him right now. But the traits that he has to work with, I think, are very, very optimistic to getting there. And when you have a kid this fast in this dynamic, the ball in his hands, he doesn't have to be a master at at, at all the nuances of wide receiver to help you and to get on the field and make a play, make plays. Yep. He obviously can do it in the return game. What, what's crazy about the speed they're adding is it's not a given he's going to be a returner, especially sure. your kick returner. It's not even a given he's going to be that, which is <laughs> says a lot about just how explosive this class is. But he he doesn't have to he doesn't have to know every single nuance of wide receiver play to help you. And that's the whole point is if, if this kid's not getting plays designed, as long as he's, you know, tough and he can handle playing and he, and he can know where to line up in the simple things you can design, uh, he teach him a hitch, teach him a slant, teach him how to catch a screen and teach him how to field, take a jet sweep and teach him how to take a reverse. And, mm-hmm. and then after that, what else? Go route. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Go routes and wheel routes. I mean, that, he doesn't have to be a, he, he doesn't have to be, Cooper Cup to be able to go play as a wide receiver at the next level. Eventually, he'll hopefully he'll get there, but sure. you, you don't need him to do that right away. And I love this presses this guy outside, keeps on his track, and then once the guy ever commits, he cuts him vertically. I, I mean, Notre Dame played against Louisville a couple years ago when they had two two Atwell. Would you be mm-hmm. upset if this was a two two Atwell? That was a no. And this kid's player. bigger than two two Atwell was. That's the other he's, thing. He's as big as Tutu Atwell right now. When, yeah, he when weighed, he graduated. Even, if, even if he's 155, he weighs yeah. more than Tutu Atwell did at the combine. Yep, sure does. Because wasn't he like, wasn't it like 147 or something like that? Insane it, like that? 
I think he may have gotten up to like 153, but either way, okay. your point your point stands. Yeah. I think at one point then maybe it was his pro day that he checked in at like 147. But it, there was something was... he did leading up to it where he checked in at like 147. It was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Not great, man. Not no, great. it's not. It's not. But what he could do is he could run. Sure. He could, could absolutely fly. And here's the thing: Tutu at, at his pro day was a four three nine, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at his pro day, Tutu checked in at uh, just under about 5'7 and 155 pounds is what he checked in at the pro day. Yeah. So yeah, that, cause, that cause at, his, at his combine, at Tutu's combine, he only ran like 4'4'3 four, four, or something like four, that. 4'3'9". Like yeah, four three nine. Wasn't it? Wasn't yeah. it four four something at the combine? I'm just though? a combine was, I believe, but they don't. Yeah. I don't. I'm trying to look for his combine. His pro day numbers were were four 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 three nine. Not yeah. as good of a ten yard split as Eli Raritan. He was at one four nine, uh, but uh, still a pretty good. Man, pretty good Eli's a freak, split. man. Eli, Eli's up as a hundred yeah. pounds heavier than I mean. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. Yeah. Little crazy. little joke. And, and that, to your point, to your point about the dynamic ability of this class from a return perspective, I mean, honestly, Brian, we have potentially maybe Brandon Joseph being the punt returner, right? Like he's in the right. running for it right now. And I would say there might be three players in this class that might be able to beat him out if they were on campus right now. Right. I mean, like legitimately, at least competes at a very high level for that job. Well, I love that cut right there. Yep. It's, it, regarding Tutu Atwell, just for those who maybe don't know who Tutu Atwell was, he played wide receiver at Louisville from 2018 to 2020. Notre Dame actually faced him twice uh, during his career. He uh, was part of that the team and when they played Notre Dame in, to kick off the 2019 season. And, of course, uh, they came to Notre Dame in 2020. Uh, but he was a, a guy that was a, a – I mean, he did work volume-wise, right? I mean, he had yep. 69 catches for 1,272 yards and – 11 touchdowns in 2019. So this isn't a guy that, you know, only got two, three touches a game. This is a guy that could put in work because again, what Louisville I thought did a great job of is they did, did a great job of getting him the ball in space. He didn't always have to uh, be a guy that was taking punishment, you know, get him bubble screens, get him crossers, do things to, to, you know, use your big guys to run the defense off and bring him in motion and, and have him on a drag where he just outruns a guy in coverage across the field, you know, where he's not having to, you know, win a contested throw down the field on a post route. You know, you're doing different things to get him the ball. And I, I thought Tommy Reese, especially in the second half of the year last year, uh, did a really good job with that. Uh, you know, did a really nice job, in my opinion, of of designing ways to get him the ball. And the thing that hurt Tutu his last year, in my opinion, was – they just they didn't have the the players in his last year to kind of take some of the pressure off of him maybe as much like and they didn't use those guys the same way you know they they had still Des Fitzpatrick uh, but they didn't have obviously Seth Dawkins and the way that they they schemed them just wasn't the same they didn't do as much to take pressure off of him Notre mm-hmm. Dame will be able to do that because he's coming into a situation where he doesn't have to be too too at well volume guy. He's going to have Tobias Merriweather, Braylon James, Jaden Greathouse, Rico Flores, hopefully Ronan Hannafin, hopefully Jeremiah Love, to, and Jadarian Price. I mean, the, the if they can add Hannafin and Love, you will not be able to convince me that there's any other team in the country that's added more explosive playmakers in the last two classes than Notre Dame. You won't be able to convince me of it. You just won't. You won't. Because you're going to be in a situation where – 
where a guy like Braylon James at a four four seven is not in your top three explosive playmakers on offense the last couple of years. If you get those guys, and I'd like to see Ronan and, and Braylon in a sprint to see who wins that one. It would be close. It would be close. Same with Jeremiah Love. When close. you're in that situation where we're not even talking about Tobias, Tobias Merriweather being in this conversation from an explosiveness standpoint, you know you're you're doing some major damage. So that's. That's to buy, that's uh, Dylan Edwards, uh, his film. You you saw what we were talking about. You guys got a chance to kind of see just that dynamic nature of what that kid brings to the table. He is a really really special guy. TJ Fallon super chat says he makes people look not fast. You are absolutely right. And again, I don't care what level of football you. Thank you for the super chat, super chat, TJ. But I think that's something that you get from a lot of people. Say, so, well, where does he play? Oh, he's from Kansas. Look. Guys, where you're from doesn't determine your speed. Your speed is your speed. It just may make some of your numbers look a little silly. And you're sillier. And we had this conversation about Jack Kaiser. Well, he plays 1A football. Yeah, I know, but his numbers were so insane at that level that you just knew he was a big-time football player. And mm-hmm. that's a similar thing with, with Dylan Edwards. You, you talk about what he does, and then he doesn't even play that much. Imagine what it would be like if he was playing in Texas with – here's the other thing. He doesn't have those same talent around him either. If he was playing at some high schools in Texas, he'd have three guys on his offensive line that are going to go play college football for free somewhere. You know what I mean? And like, I mean, think about the the Denton Geyer backfield, you know, secondary, right? You're, you're talking about being on teams with multiple Division One football players. So there's always a balance to that conversation that people need to to keep in mind and have some context uh, when it comes to that. Let's dive into what's next, Ryan. I mean, at this point in time, it's we know what's on the board. I mean, Notre Dame is so close to being done with recruiting in the 2023 class. It's it's like it's really kind of like, OK, well, what are we going to talk about now? And and it's on defense. It's essentially if you can flip a stud like a, a Jason Moore or if you decide you want to get a fifth defensive lineman to go with that. And then, I mean, other than that, it's, it's hanging on to the guys you got right now that Jaden Osbury and Ben Minter in the class offensively. It's down to three spots. Obviously, quarterback, which doesn't really pertain to this, other than you need somebody to throw him the ball, uh, which we'll, we'll obviously get to at some point in time. But just this, this not the purpose of this show. It's not necessarily relevant to this show. Right. And then after that, it's it's Jeremiah Love and Ronan Hannafin. And I, I think if you're talking about a dream class for Notre Dame, it's those two guys. I mean, if you if you add, well, I'll ask you this, Ryan. Yep. Well, and we'll get into specific players. We'll talk big picture first, and then we'll talk about the latest with Jeremiah Love and Ronan Hannafin. Just big picture wise, we talk a lot about gap closing. Yep. If Notre Dame is able to get Ronan Hannafin and Jeremiah Love in this class, and right now I think they're at worst 1A, 1B situation with both, at worst. I would say I, I would I would make the I'm gonna make this statement and you tell me if, if you agree, disagree, and then to what degree you might disagree. Okay. I view this as just as a a one-off take the context of yes, you need more guys next year and what you had before, but just for this class, it's a gap erasing class as a one-off in this class, because I do not see anybody in the country having anywhere close to the type type of offensive firepower that Notre Dame would, would have if they landed Ronan Hannafin and Jeremiah Love. Cause you're talking about between Love, Braylon James, Jaden Greathouse, that's three guys that are top hundred players. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm pretty confident at some point in time, Ronan Hannafin will be a top hundred player by somebody. So love 
Edwards, Great House, and Hannafin. And the one thing we didn't talk about with Dylan Edwards is if Dylan Edwards was 5'11", 170 pounds, he's a five-star player, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the only thing holding him back. In my grade, athletically checks out elite, speed, elite, playmaking ability, elite. He's just incredibly small. Mm-hmm. Which what what does that matter? Okay, can you hold up over 13, 14 game season? Can you can you it impacts your volume? You know, can you touch the ball 15 to 18 times a game? That matters. It impacts, you know, your ability to run through certain things. You know, can you, you know, a guy like Logan Diggs is going to be in situations where he's going to be able to get out of it because of his size will let him do that. There's sure. going to be times where, where as a guy like Chris Tyree, for example, we see that with him. Like, hey, look, the things are tight. He couldn't just put his foot in the ground and hammer it like an Audric Estimare Kyron Williams could. And so that limited his effectiveness when the line wasn't as good last year, for example. And it also hurts you, like, if there's an injury and you lose that burst, you lose your effectiveness. We also saw that with Chris Tyree last year, where Kyron can kind of play on a sprained ankle or Logan Diggs can kind of go out and play on a sprained ankle or Audric Estime can play, you know, with the, with a sprained ankle and still be effective because their game doesn't require that explosiveness. That is a reason to me why a smaller player is going to be downgraded in my view, because there, and there's certain matchups you just can't do. You can't put him in a situation where, Hey, we're going to throw you a one-on-one back shoulder. Uh, we're going to, you know, there's just certain things that you can't, you're not going to do a lot of. And mm-hmm. so that's going to bring the grade down a little bit. And, and, you know, but, but he's as explosive as anybody in the country. I mean, you're talking about at least three or four top hundred players at the skill positions and, and Rico Flores, I think ranks one Oh six by rivals. It's crazy. You know, I mean, he he's just outside of that. You know, Jaden Lamar is now your low guy in the 250 range. And I think that just speaks volumes about how good this offensive class could be. But they need to get them. They need at least one of those guys, and I think really two, to truly erase the gap on offense. So, Ryan, what is your what is your takeaway from that um, that hot take, bold statement, whatever you want to call it, that I just made about this offensive class? I don't think it's bold at all. I mean, I, I've literally have been on the same wavelength with you on as far as it being a gap erasing class, because I think that the other great thing is, Brian, like in a vacuum, you have so many good football players individually, but I think it's even better because they can all fit together, right? Like they can all complement each other so well. I mean, I can envision a scenario where you have a, and again, this is dependent upon getting a Ronan Hannafin and a, and a Jeremiah Love, but I can envision a world where if you land those last two players, you have Braylon James and, and Ronan Hannafin outside. You have Jaden Greathouse working everywhere. You have Rico mm-hmm. Flores working inside and out. You have Dylan Edwards working from the slot. So they all fit together really well. And that is even, I mean, and that's also goes for, I think Jeremiah Love and Jane Lamar are really good compliments in the backfield because mm-hmm. they have different styles to them, right? Like Jeremiah's got some quickness and, and elusiveness to him as well, but he is more that one cut and go, while Jeremiah Love is kind of that patient, find your hole, do some stuff in the passing game. Like that's more his role in the yeah. offense, right? So more I think of a it's very, running back, right? Yes, right. It's a more complimentary. There's a lot of complementary skill sets, which gets me really excited. And you don't have to, in that regard, like you don't have to put Dylan Edwards outside and right. tell him to win a 50-50 ball. Like, right. why would you do that? That doesn't make any sense because you have other right. guys that work in that area better, which is again goes back to the complementary football. These guys all fit together really well, and in a vacuum, you have. 
at least four, five, I think at least four guys of that group that I would say comfortably I would rate within the top 100 football players in the country, mm-hmm. at least. So in a vacuum, you hit those numbers, you hit the talent level of those numbers, but all of them also fit together really well. If you would have signed four Braylon Jameses in this class, right? Very talented. All of them are talented, obviously. But are, do you want to stick Braylon James in the slot? Probably right. not all the time, right? I mean, like at times. Right. But the, the the point of the matter is, is that these guys are so diverse and so different that I just think that they are going to play together so well. And you don't have to worry about having too many of the same type. You have right. a multitude of guys that fit various roles, which makes this incredibly exciting to me. Incredibly yeah. exciting. One of the one of the questions we got, Ryan, or one of the statements was is Dylan Edwards, the seven five seven in the nineties was the best. Uh seven five seven, obviously, that's my my stomping grounds. But he said Dylan Edwards reminds me of Rondell Moore from Purdue a few, few years back. I, I think Rondell's a little thicker. Yeah. You know, and, and I think him being thicker allowed him to be more of a volume player. But again, that's kind of the concern with a smaller player. Is that one year Rondell was special, but he was never stay healthy. And that's the that's the danger of having a guy like this be a volume guy. Purdue needed Rondell to be a volume pass catcher. Louisville needed Tutu to be a volume player, and that's why he didn't pl- he didn't make it through his whole last year, right? And that's the thing is the the advantage that Dylan Edwards has is maybe he won't have the volume that Tutu had and and that Rondell Moore had, but they don't need him to have that kind of volume. And that's the important thing is, is you know, it really puts you into some situations where you're not having to stress about, about that kind of player. Drunk Vigo asked a couple times about, is this, you know, is this a Jock, Jacquez Rogers type of guy from Oregon state? And I'd say, no, no, Jacquez was more of a running back and he was a thicker guy. More, 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 more yeah. like his brother. Right. Honestly. Remember James Rogers yeah. was on the same Oregon state team and he yeah. was that slot receiver that would get some jets and do all that type of stuff. More, more James Rod, even though James right. Rogers wasn't a burner though, like he was a, right. a short space type of player. And I would also say to the Rondell Moore comp, the styles are well, not the styles. Let me rephrase: the, how they're going to be asked to work is going to be similar because Rondell was also give him some jets, give him a reverse, work the RPO stuff, do all that type of stuff. But Rondell won because he was a. I mean, that guy was a. a he was mm-hmm. Ant Man, like he was a muscle hamster, dude. Like he was yeah. 180 pounds. And he could squat over 600. Like he was just a different cat as far as like a weight room type of dude. He had a really strong lower half. He was explosive to the to the comparison. But Dylan Edwards is going to win just a lot right. differently than a Rondell Moore. He's not going to run through contact like right. Rondell Moore. But honestly, that might save him a little bit. Right. The durability. He's not going to. That's why Rondell couldn't stay healthy. Brandon says, "B Ryan, what are your thoughts on his wide receiver skills? Have you seen him run routes and catching the ball?" And we'll do a we'll do a more traditional mailbag afterwards, but a couple of these questions are relevant to what I want to discuss about Dylan Edwards. And the thing is, Brandon, we have not seen a lot of it, right? Like what we have here's what we haven't seen. We haven't seen them stemming guys up. We haven't seen them like showing a, a full understanding of of how to get into and you know be a top end of his routes. You know how to properly attack leverage, how to properly manipulate a defensive back with you know, certain leans or stems or angles or different things like that. We haven't seen him really sink his hips and, you know, get into a comeback route or do a post curl or things like that. We haven't seen those things. But what I'll say to you is, as a former receivers coach, 
you can teach those things if a kid is athletic and he is athletic. So he'll learn those things. But the other part is he doesn't necessarily need to do all those things. It's like, just be fast. And we'll teach you the basics of how to play receiver, but just be fast. It's more about with him. I want him to understand the mental part of receiver, understanding spacing, timing, knowing when to kind of slow it down, let that clear and then take off, you know, know how to, Use your climb to then create separation as you level off. There's like little things like that that you want a receiver to learn how to do that are very teachable, like very teachable. And they're not things that require a guy to have played receiver his whole life, you know? And then so all this, all that stuff is teachable, but we haven't seen it. The, the other thing we haven't seen a lot of is of him catching the ball. We have seen some of it. There's some, some summer film out there of him catching the football, you know, and we saw some films there. I think he catches the ball with his hands. You saw his really his ability to track the ball down the field on that one deep shot that you that we saw. He does. You can see him catch the ball as a punt returner and kick returner. You can see him being very clean with strong hands there. But there are some things you're going to have to see from him in regard to being able to use him as a vertical player. As a you know, can can you throw him a ball on a deep end cut? Well, again, that's another area where his size is going to drag his grade down a little bit because. A five-eight guy running a dig route is a much smaller target for the quarterback to hit at twenty-five yards, Small right? Window. Right, <laughs> and and you know, like when I when I go to the range and I shoot, it's like I'm I'm pretty good on targets that are like this big. I'm going to hit it every single time. Give me a target this big, and it's going to be a little harder for me to hit every single time. And it's the same thing with throwing a football, right? It's like the it's why we talk about catch radius. We get we grade guys positively for having these big wide catch radiuses. Well, his catch radius is going to be a lot smaller. So you have to be mindful of those kind of things as an offensive coordinator. That's why the size does matter. So, so finding areas where maybe you're not doing doing things there, but then understanding like, okay, here's how we can still use him. We haven't seen him do a lot of that stuff. You know, can he catch the ball on the run on a drag route? I don't know. We haven't seen him do it yet. But the 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 things we do see him catch in other instances gives me confidence. This kid's going to be able to catch the football. You know, it, it, he you'll see the certain red flags, you know, guys that, that don't catch punts clean or, you know, guys that don't even catch swing passes. Like, yeah, you'll see running backs catch swing passes with their chest. You're like, that's not a guy I'm throwing the football downfield, right? <laughs> that's not that's not him, you know? And so I think he catches the ball a lot It's because every time he catches a punt or, or a return, it's him catching. You see him catching uh, pitches a lot. Again, he doesn't let it get into his chest. He goes out and gets it. That's a kid that's got some hands and some confidence in his hands. So we haven't seen him do a lot of those things, Ryan. But I, I would say, and, and Ryan, you can you can um, kind of follow up as well on this. Yep. I have seen nothing that gives me a red flag about him being able to do any of those things with the exception of there are just certain routes I'm not going to want to put him in a lot because mm-hmm. of his size. But when it comes to the yeah. catching aspects of it and, and, and the other nuances of it, we haven't seen it a lot, but we've seen enough to make me feel that those skills are certainly there. Well, I mean, everything that we need to see is from a technical perspective, right? Like we've seen all the traits that he has. He has easy, He's an easy plucker of the football in the film that we have seen from his ability to catch the ball. He is a very flexible and fluid athlete. Like we see him change direction. That gives me high hopes for him as a route runner down the line. Cause I'm like, he can change directions and he can flip his hips and he can do all those types of things. And he understands pacing. I see pacing right. as a runner. So I'm going to assume that that can also translate to him as a route runner and have that type of pace as a route runner. The key for me, Brandon, to this question is, and it's a great question 
is I see all the little things that would make a good wide receiver in Dylan Edwards to the role. What gives me hope, and what, this is where you are going to be, you're going to be more likely to project and more open to projecting as a staff, in my opinion, when you trust the coaching that he's going to get, mm-hmm. right? And if you trust that, hey, he has every tool that you need to be good at this, and I have trust in Chancey Stuckey to, to school him up and to for him to learn those little nuances of the position, and that's what you need. As long as he's right. willing to work, as long as you have good coaching, then I'm willing to bet on that upside that he has at the position. And I think right. everything is there for him to be good in that role. Right. Carlos Mauricio has the same uh, comp that you had. One of the comps that you had, I believe also, and we've had other people in the chat bring up, which is Tavon Austin. I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty high praise, but I'll say this. If he's even close, if he's even in the same conversation, if, if you can bring up Tavon Austin to compare to him during his Notre Dame career without me laughing at you, that would be really exciting. And, and, but again, when was the last time a Notre Dame, you could even bring up Tavon Austin's name with a Notre Dame recruit other than maybe, unless maybe a kid was from the same hometown as Tavon Austin. Like that's the thing that's so exciting about this is, is you're now bringing in guys that, that, that do have that kind of dynamic athleticism, multiple guys that have mm-hmm. that kind of dynamic athleticism. And I feel like Notre Dame has had some good slot receivers, right? I mean, like, Chris Fink, I thought was was a good slot receiver. I thought TJ Jones could work a little bit inside when he when when you needed him to. I mean, Theo Riddick had a little background as a slot before he transitioned fully to running back his senior year. But Brian, I mean, have they had a dynamic player in the slot since a Golden Tate, for instance? Like, have they had that guy that you would call a really dynamic player in that role? That's in this is, in this, the rece- at in receiver the, at slot, yeah. I mean, I mean really? the only the only really explosive players that Notre Dame has had a receiver were outside guys. I think the I think probably the closest thing we saw to it was Amir Carlisle. You know, because Amir was a pretty good football. I mean, he got he yeah, didn't exactly. have great production, but he was a pretty good football player at Notre Dame. I mean, the Michigan game in 2014, I was it the 2014 game, yeah, the home game against Michigan. And I mean, Amir had some really I mean, he had the screen pass for a touchdown. Yeah, I think he caught a bubble screen for a touchdown in that game as well. Yeah, And I think he could – and I think that's a – imagine this, right? And, and Amir was not a real big kid either. I think Amir was thicker mm-hmm. than than what he was. Amir, if you remember, Amir played running back in college in high school. But I, I remember having conversations with people with him coming out too, Ryan, was Amir was not built to be a running back in high school, in college. And I, this was an argument that I made, and that's why I think partly what hurt him uh, when he was at when he was at Notre Dame or I mean at USC was they they tried to make him a running back, mm-hmm. you know. But when I when I looked at him, I said, look, this is a kid that's going to be a slot. And when you look at Amir, Amir was thicker, but mm-hmm. you know, he 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 weighed in at one ninety one, bar- slightly taller. He was a five nine guy, but Amir ran a high four four at Notre Dame, a high four four. So what made Amir really good is Amir was really quick and elusive. This kid is more explosive and dynamic than Amir Carlisle was, and we saw what Amir could do as that complimentary slot player to Will Fuller outside. So to your point, I mean, even TJ Jones, TJ could do some things after the catch. I mean, but but he wasn't this. TJ was more of a vertical player and smooth and and, yeah. and that type of thing and really, really precise route runner. But part of the reason TJ Jones never was able to really make it the next level with any – great success was he didn't have the kind of explosiveness that this kid brings to the table. And if he did, if, if if TJ Jones had this kind of speed, TJ Jones would be an all pro.
because he's a really good route runner. I mean, and he's, you know, got good hands and all that kind of stuff. He's just not real explosive on the football yeah. field. You know, smooth, but not explosive. This kid is explosive. So, yeah, I I don't think not since Golden Tate has Notre Dame had a kid that could be this dynamic with a ball in his hands from the slot. Amir Carlisle is the closest thing to compare him to, in my opinion. And this is why they moved Theo Riddick to slot when, when Brian Kelly first came, because they didn't have that kind of player on the roster. Sure. And Theo – Theo is probably the the closest comp from going from running back to slot, you know, I, I guess. But I'd say Amir is because Amir, Amir, he didn't come. Yeah, I mean, actually, no, Amir did play running back his first year at Notre Dame. I was thinking that he played running back USC, but then moved to Notre Dame. But Notre Dame did try for some crazy reason, still tried to make him a running back for a year when he first came, which just didn't make sense. But I'd, I'd say that Amir Carlisle is the, the most recent. But again, Amir, high 4-4. Four, four. Dylan Edwards, high 4-3. That's mm-hmm. a big difference, people. Like, a sure is. big difference. When you're talking about a full tenth of a second, that is a big difference. And that was a mere after four years of being in a college strength program, mm-hmm. five years of being in a college strength program, that he yep. was a high 4-4. Four, four. Uh, some, somebody asked, too, as we kind of wrap up the what's next, do we still need Jeremiah Love? Yes. Yes, they do. And, and the sure. reason why Ryan nailed it, Jeremiah is more of a running back that can do some stuff outside. Dylan Edwards is as the projection is more of a receiver who can do some things out of the backfield in a, a wrinkle, you know, but, but yes, and there's a different size. There's a different game. There's a different body type. There's a different level of strength with the ball in their hands. There's, they're just different players. And so, yes, I do believe that Jeremiah love is still a need not necessarily a want. And it, and when I say need, do they need Jeremiah Love to fill a hole on the roster that's currently lacking from a positional standpoint, running back receiver? No. But the reason he's a need is because you need that, that skill set, that unique skill set that can do all those things and be like Jeremiah Love can go into a game. And if you need him to carry the ball 20 times, he can carry the ball 20 times. Dylan Edwards can't. And if you want him to still be walking by the end of the game, and uh, you know what I mean, I'm talking about against a good team, right? I mean, he can maybe he can do it against like Marshall and Toledo and maybe teams like that, but he's not doing it in, against Clemson or Georgia, you know. Sure. And, and that's the difference is you can he can be CJ Procise, mm-hmm. Dylan Edwards can't. That's just not who he is. Right. And and that doesn't mean you won't line. I mean, I'd I'd love to see them do with him at times what Notre Dame did with Rocket back in the day. Put him in the backfield and basically just toss him the ball on a sweep, you know, and just let the blocking. Yeah. But I'm not gonna lost, let man. right. Just, yeah, but I'm yeah. not gonna have him do what they did with Rocket from the standpoint of they put him in the eye and ran ISO with him. Like, <laughs> you know, at the end in the fourth quarter. That's not what I would want to see do. But the other thing, too, is if you have Jeremiah Love on the same team, and Jeremiah Love if he is your starting running back. There are things you can do because he can catch the ball where you can actually put him in the slot and put Dylan at running back and do some things with the power reads and you know RPOs where you're you know you're you're running a, a power read. Like so here's the thing, here's like the vision I have. You got Jeremiah Love to my left on a, in a slot. Okay. Mm-hmm. I got my my tight end over here. I'm running power read look with my a backside RPO. Meaning if that guy squeezes in, then I'm just pulling, I'm throwing a bubble backside to Jeremiah Love. If that guy stays in, then I'm I'm reading out the power. And then it's either the quarterback running vertically, you know, Tyler Buckner running vertically, or Dylan Edwards busting it on the outside. Like, and, and then you could do it the complete exact opposite. 
where you're doing power read with Jeremiah Love and Dylan Edwards is the run, one running that. But it gives you different looks, and then a defense may react differently when Jeremiah Love's in the slot compared to how they are there. There's just so much you can do with those kind of versatile playmakers that that's what, to me, makes it a need. And again, if you don't get him, he's going to go to someone who's trying to contend for national championship against you. Sure. And that's the other aspect of it is, yeah, you you need him. And you also need Ronan Hannafin, in my opinion. Uh, you, but you have to get at least one of them. Like, yes. It, it, as good as this class is, I think it's a, a little bit of a, mm, uh, it was really good, but it should have been better feel to me if they don't get at least one of those two, in my view. That's fair. That's so that's sort of the what's next on that, Ryan. Anything else that you'd like to add about this before we move on to our mailbag portion of the show, this pickup for Notre Dame? No, I, I think it's massive, right? And I think just kind of to hit a couple of the, of the finer points that we that we went on with, especially for people that are joining a little later here if you're live with us, this is a dynamic slot gadget player who can also do some running back things but also brings a ton to the special teams department. So this isn't just – Notre Dame picked up a nice athlete, right? This is a potential difference maker in multiple roles on your team. So we knew that Notre Dame wanted to get more athletic. They wanted to get longer. They certainly got more athletic getting a guy like a Dylan Edwards. So Mm -hmm. uh, it's just, it's another three straight days of good days to be a Notre Dame fan as Mm -hmm. it has been this whole spring and summer, which has been awesome. So that's going to do it for the Dylan Edwards commits to Notre Dame portion of this podcast. We're not done yet, though, so don't go away. We will have a mailbag coming up. We have several good questions and super chats, a lot of them having to do with recruiting. So we'll continue to do that. We'll have some updates on uh, some team things and some different aspects going on here. But before we transition to that, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, everybody. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. If you're listening via podcast app, please give us a five-star review. We would appreciate that very, very much. We'll
you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.